If you've got your Bible, you'll find it on page 855, reading Micah 3. Then I said, Now listen, leaders of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel. Aren't you supposed to know what is just? You hate good and love evil. You tear off people's skin and strip their flesh from their bones. You eat the flesh of my people after you strip their skin from them and break their bones. You chop them up like flesh for the cooking pot, like meat in a cauldron. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because of the crimes they have committed. This is what the Lord says concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who proclaim peace when they have food to sink their teeth into, but declare war against the one who puts nothing in their mouths. Therefore, it will be night for you without visions. It will grow dark for you without divination. The sun will set on these prophets, and the daylight will turn black over them. Then the seers will be ashamed, and the diviners disappointed. They will all cover their mouths, because there will be no answer from God. As for me, however, I am filled with the power by the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and courage, to proclaim to Jacob his rebellion and to Israel his sin. Listen to this, leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice and pervert everything that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with injustice. Her leaders issue rulings for a bribe, her priests teach for payment, and her prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord, saying, Isn't the Lord among us? No disaster will overtake us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become ruins, and the hill of the Temple Mount will be a thicket. Let's continue reading. We're reading from 1 Peter 2, verses 11 through to 25. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from, from fleshly desires that war against you. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that in a case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of visitation. Submit, your, submit to every human authority because of the Lord whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those who sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is, the Lord, it is, the God, for it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. As God's slaves, live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Honour everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the emperor. Household slaves, submit with all fear to your masters, 
do only to the good and gentle, but also not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. For it brings favour if, mindful of God's will, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you sin and are punished and you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favour with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he was suffering, he did not threaten but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Evening, everyone. It's good to be here. Are we on? Is that on? Yeah, good. I can't hear it, actually. Um, it's good to be here. We're week four in our 1 Peter sermon series. Uh, and as we get into this section, we're going into a kind of a real practical section of do's and don'ts and this, this, this and that. And I'm conscious that there might be a number of questions that arise from this. So if you do have a, a question, if your inner lawyer comes out and you've, you get the, but what if question, do write it down on your next steps card and stick it in the the bag at the end of the evening and we'll try and work out how we answer them. Maybe I'll write a blog post or we'll try and do a question time in the next few weeks. Um, That said, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for your word. We do praise you for your good word. We praise you that you show us the good, the bad and the ugly of ourselves. And you show us the beauty of the gospel. Uh, You take us as we are. And you don't choose to leave us as we are. And so we pray tonight that you would make us less like Adam and more like Jesus. To your praise and glory. Amen. Well, I want to start by asking you, uh, what if you you were responsible for uh, making the whole of Sydney become Christian? Responsible for the whole of Sydney hearing about Jesus? How might you go about doing it? Maybe you'll put on a few events. We like events, don't we? We can have uh, men and meat and all of that kind of thing. Perhaps that would work. Maybe we could get some celebrity endorsement. Celebrity endorsement is good, right? George Clooney, perhaps, he's managed to sell Nespresso. Um, Perhaps he can sell Christianity. We actually did this uh, exercise with a group of leaders uh, a while back and one woman got really excited and she said, if I had unlimited resources, I'd buy a jumbo jet and I'd put the gospel message on the side of the jumbo jet so everyone had to read it. There we go. How would you do it? Well, it's interesting. Uh, Mull that one over in your head. It's interesting that tonight we hear that God's strategy... For the world becoming Christian and the world hearing about Jesus is you. A key verse is chapter 2, verse 12. Let me read it. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles 
So then, in, so that in a case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will, by observing your good, I'm sorry, observing your good works, glorify God on the day of visitation. Now that phrase, glorify God on the day of visitation, simply means that when Jesus comes back at the end of time and gives the Christian their inheritance, that the people who don't know Jesus uh, will see just how good Jesus is. Uh, doesn't, it's not clear whether they become a Christian, but they will glorify God. That is the strategy. You living a good life in the world. If you're a Christian here today, that is the life that God has called you to. And now this is uh, part two of two things we heard last week that we've also been given the job of a priest. Uh, we are the New Testament equivalent of the Old Testament hairy guys who introduce introduced men to God. And uh, we were to do that by um, chapter 2, verse 9, by proclaiming the praises of the one who called you out of darkness. It's two sides of a coin, isn't it? We're to proclaim uh, the praises of the one who called us out of darkness. And we're to back that up with lives lived so good that even amongst malicious, malicious gossip, slander and backbiting, people may see our good deeds and glorify God. And that's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible that God would choose to do that through us. We are the celebrity endorsement, if we like. We are the adornment of the gospel. That might seem a, a crazy thing, that God would choose us to do it, but he does. And it's an enormous privilege. It's also encouraging, isn't it, that... that um, that God wants us wants to glorify himself through us, through our conduct. Um, because it means it doesn't matter how much dirt the Sydney Morning Herald writes, it doesn't matter how many laws the government passed to ban uh, people speaking about Jesus and teaching about Jesus, it doesn't matter how many false accusations are thrown at you, how many misunderstandings there are amongst your unbelieving colleagues, Nothing can stop you from living before our unbelieving friend's eyes. That's enormously encouraging. We are, if you like, glory generators by the way we live. The way we live matters. We're not to be silent. Uh, that's the one caveat I want to say. But also, uh, the, ref the, uh, the amount of Christians, people coming to know Jesus isn't a reflection on how good our lives are. So if you're thinking that I've never seen anyone become a Christian, um, don't worry, that's, uh, that's not what Peter's getting at. He's saying simply that the way we live our lives holds the potential for people to come to know the Lord Jesus, to come to know the great living hope that comes through knowing the Lord Jesus. We are to live the attractive life, to show off the attractive gospel. And we would have had positive experiences of that, wouldn't we? Um, how many people here were first heard the gospel or attracted to Jesus because they saw the life of uh, another Christian? Anyone here had that experience? Yeah, a number of people. It's good. I had that experience at the age of 18. I'd heard the gospel uh, pre prior, uh, but the thing that sealed the deal for me, the thing that got me to say, yeah, I want Jesus in my life, was seeing other Christians live out the gospel. 
I was 18 year old. And these other Christians had a joy that I didn't have. They laughed in a way that I couldn't laugh. And they were satisfied in a way that I simply was not. They, and they just lived out. They, I think it was in a swimming pool that the penny dropped. I saw these Christians laughing at each other. We'd have also had the negative experience of Christians saying one thing and doing the other, doing the wrong thing. I heard a story this week of a pastor in Singapore who uh, ripped off his church for $50 million to fund his wife's rap career. How? <laughs> It's mad, isn't it? It's mad. Uh, Somebody sent me a text from Saturday Night Church saying, hey, you should get Kim in on this. And yeah, but it's an example of Christians saying one thing and doing the other, not adorning the gospel. Uh, Well, I've got um, three things that where three difference where this text takes us, three difference where Peter takes us, where he wants us to be different and where he wants our lives to be different. So uh, Christians Firstly, Christians are to have a different take on the law. That's verses 13 to 17. And I'll read verse 13. Submit to every authority because of the Lord, uh, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as to those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. Uh, Peter is simply saying, that, that, that his readers should obey every level of government. So he's saying to us, we are to obey the federal laws, we're to obey the state laws, and we're to obey the laws of our local government, our local council. Now that is a rather boring way to reach the world, isn't it? It's rather boring. You want to, re- you want to make, si- want to make uh, Sydney Christian? Obey the laws. We didn't get that in vision night, did we? Paul didn't stand up and say, well, our vision for reaching the lost in 2016 is uh, you're going to obey the speed limits. And you're not going to walk your dog in a park where it says no dog walking. We didn't get that. It's rather boring. You do ask, where, is this? where are the Greenway lunches? Where are the John Dixon talk events? But the place Peter goes to, first of all, for his strategy for us to make the world Christian is for us to obey the law of the land. You see the effect that that has, verse 15? Peter says, For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. There's no shortage of uh, malicious accusations in the Sydney Morning Herald. Christians get told that we're this, we're that, we're whatever. There was a man on a Q&A on Monday night who said that teaching kids about Jesus is akin to child abuse. But what Peter is saying here is that no matter how much mud is slung in our direction, if we obey the law, then the mud won't stick. We are to do live such good lives that we will silence that ignorant, foolish talk. So when the Sydney Morning Herald says X, Y, and Z, and your unbelieving friend reads it, they're to think, well, I know a couple of Christians, and they're not child abusers. They just love Jesus, and they love hanging out with kids. Or blah, blah, blah. You know the kind of thing? We're to silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Uh, the original readers were facing these uh, malicious, uh, these malicious, uh, malicious talk and false accusations. We have got no shortage of those, and we are to silence them by obeying every single law, even 
the most bizarre ones that we have in, here in Australia. Um, did you know that it is illegal for you to, le- uh, uh, to leave your car with your car key still in the ignition? Did you know that? It's illegal, apparently. And I know the lawyers here are going to go, are going to tell me that it's not actually illegal and all of this, that, and the other. Uh, please don't tell me afterwards. Um, I googled bizarre laws in Australia, and it is illegal for you to walk down the right-hand side of the road, even if you're on a pavement. Uh, I believe it's now illegal for you to eat food in a smoking area in a pub, and it's definitely illegal for pubs to serve you. Uh, food in the smoking area of a pub. Uh, Peter says, by obeying these bizarre laws, by obeying even the ones that everyone else breaks, we're to silence the ignorant foolish, uh, the, the, the ignorance of foolish people, and we're to bring glory to God. We get to adorn the gospel by buying our movies from iTunes rather than downloading them. By saying no to those dubious business practices, the ones that are grey areas, they're neither legal or illegal. By not parking in the no-stopping zone. So that people around us go, why on earth are you bothering doing that? Why don't you just download them from the internet? Peter says, do that so that people will see your good works and glorify God on the day that Jesus visits. To live good lives that silently ignorant and illuminates the gospel. Well, Peter moves from uh, our driving habits to our working habits. And he says that we are to have a different take on the boss. A different take on the boss. That's verses 18 to 20. Just uh, read with me verse 18. Household slaves, submit with all fear to your masters, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. He's saying, uh, submit to your boss. Now, that is easy, isn't it? If you've got a good boss, it's nice to submit to your boss. It's harder, isn't it, to submit to a crooked boss. Literally, uh, that word cruel uh, says crooked, your crooked, corrupt boss. That's a hard thing to do. Uh, But the challenge, really, in verse 18 is to submit with all fear to your masters. Literally, submit with all respect with all honor that your, that your boss deserves. Uh, he's talked about fearing God, and then he talks about fearing your boss. And that is a hard thing to do. It's hard to listen and to obey your boss when you feel like they've made a stupid decision. My boss is at the back. He's never made a stupid decision. Um, it's hard to work diligently when you've been given the duff job to do. It's hard... Uh, not to complain and moan about that job when you've been given that job to do. I uh, once worked in um, a digital advertising agency, and in my first job, I was a, a graphic designer, and the worst job in the company was resizing banner adverts. So you know the little adverts that pop up when you look at a website? They come in about a gazillion sizes, and each one of those is resized by human by hand, and they're usually a graduate designer, uh, keen to get up in, get, keen to get on in life, and full of enthusiasm. And that enthusiasm soon gets sucked out of them when they get put on banner ads. Well, I was on banner ads for about three or four weeks. The boss didn't like me, and so he put me on banner adverts, um, and it was torture. Uh, and that that is the situation that Peter is speaking into. We're to submit to our bosses, 
when we're on the equivalent of banner ad resizing. I guess that uh, I guess we need to realise that that uh, that there is no perfect boss, that all bosses are stressed and fallen and sinful and under pressure to deliver results. Uh, we live in a culture that says you earn your respect. Why should I respect my boss? He hasn't earned it. But Peter says no. Submit to your boss with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. Well, verse 20 is the don't be an idiot verse. Uh, do you see that? For what credit is there if you sin and are punished and you endure it? Uh, Peter's saying uh, you, can't, um, you can't be the Christian in the office who um, puts his hand up and says, oh, I'm being persecuted for my faith. When you walk out the, the office with half the stationery cupboard in your pocket. Peter is saying... Uh, uh, Peter is saying you can't be that person. That is the, that, that, Peter is saying uh, you, you can't do that. Uh, um, he's also saying that you can't do the immoral or the illegal and just claim that your boss told you to do it. He says if you sin and are punished and endure it, what credit is there in that? There will be dubious business practices. You will be asked to do illegal things. You will be asked to do immoral and illegal things. But Peter says, don't, uh, don't do those things. They are of no credit in this game of making the, of making the world Christian. Now, a couple of caveats on this subject. Um, we are slightly different to the people that Peter is writing to. He's writing to household slaves. They were not free to leave. You are free to leave. You are free to write your resignation letter and hand it in. They did not have a HR department. You have a HR department which you can go to. But Peter is saying, think about those things before you take them. Is it better for the gospel for you to stick in that job and endure it so that people will see you suffering unjustly? So that uh, uh, people will see you persevering through the unjust uh, situations you've been put in. I spoke to a woman who goes to our morning congregation, and uh, she'd been in that situation, and she had given it a good length of time, and people around her saw how her Christian faith was affecting the way, was affecting positively the way that she was relating to her unfair boss. In the end, uh, she left, but it did lots of good for the gospel. Peter says that we are to, to submit to our bosses so that we will adorn the gospel, so that we will be the celebrity endorsement. Uh, it's hard, isn't it, not to get into the business of slagging off your boss. That seems to be the currency of most companies. Uh, you start conversations like that, don't you? Oh, what are you working on? Banner ads again. Rubbish. Uh, you get into that, don't you? And it's hard not to slag off your boss. Uh, we, I work for a guy who was famous for coming in the day before a project went live and telling us to redo the whole thing. So we had 24 hours before it would go live, and he'd say, I want you to do four weeks' worth of work in 24 hours before it goes live. Anyone have that kind of boss? There's a few out there, I'm sure. Uh, Peter says, no, we're to submit to that, despite the pain, despite the cruelty, so that the world would see Jesus. 
Well, maybe you're there and you're, you've got a boss like that. You're in a difficult situation. And you know how difficult that is. Uh, you've had the sleepless nights. You've sleepless nights. You've had the anxiety. And you'll know how tough that is. Well, it is tough. Uh, Peter says it's a war that wages against our souls. Against our souls. It is impossible, in fact, if it wasn't for the cross. And that's where Peter takes us to next. That's our third point. Uh, we are to have a different take on the cross. Verse 21, Peter says, For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in his steps. It's extraordinary, isn't it, that God would call us to a life of suffering. But Peter says here, he's calling us so that we would walk the path that Jesus walked. Uh, the cross is is quite clearly descri- describes here the, com- the accomplishment for sinf- sinful people. Having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds, Peter says. But Peter says the way that Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins to save us from hell, to save us for the new creation, is the model that we're meant to follow, the example that we're meant to follow. Our motto is... Um, Our slogan is living for Jesus, loving like Jesus. And this really comes to play here, doesn't it? Uh, Peter describes exactly what Jesus did in those last days as he went to the cross. And he says, this is the example for you to follow. Do you ever see those um, WWJD bands? Apparently, they're the most, uh, what would Jesus do, it stands for, if you've never seen them. They're little bands that teenagers wear. And apparently they're the most shoplifted thing in Kurong Bookstore, which is bizarre. What would Jesus do? That's, that, that's, it's bizarre, isn't it? Uh, but here we get the what would Jesus do moment. And we, uh, Peter wants us to project what would Jesus do onto our lives. So what would Jesus do when he's given a fourth, work of, a fourth week of banner ad resizing? Verse 22 No deceit was found in his mouth. Uh, What would Jesus do when he's called a bigot by his unbelieving colleague? Verse 23, he did not revile in return. Uh, What would Jesus do if his boss was that woman from the the Devil Wears Prada? What would Jesus do? Verse 23, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. I think that's the key, isn't it, to living this life of, uh, under an unfair boss, in an unfair world, uh, full of unjust laws. We entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. Uh, we were reading about the cross in our hive group this week, and I was just thinking, Jesus could have done anything, couldn't he? in those last hours in the kangaroo court. He could have sent thunderbolts down on his oppressors. He could have sent a legion of, army to, uh, uh, a legion of angels to rescue him from the cross. He could have just uh, winked at everyone and said, I'll see you later, mate, as he died on the cross. But he didn't. He submitted himself to the God who judges justly. And we must do the same as God's 
priesthood in his world, as God's strategy to evangelize Sydney, we must submit ourselves to the one who judges justly. It will be hard to submit uh, to bosses, especially to unfair bosses who treat you awfully. It will cause stress, it will cause tears, it will cause a lack of sleep, sleep. It will be hard. But Peter says this is the path that you've been placed on. A path of suffering now, but glory later. As you follow the one who died for you, who paid for you, who was pierced for you. So that you could live as free people in this world. I'm conscious there will be questions. I'm conscious there will be the what ifs. I'd love you to write them down. But I want to charge you as you go into your week this week, as you go into your Monday, Tuesday morning. uh, I want to charge you to do this, maybe through tears, to do verse 12, to conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that in a a case where uh, they speak against you as those who do what is evil, and they will, they will speak against you. They will speak cruel things behind your back. They will lie about you. They will say malicious things. Uh, when they do that, by observing your good, work, good works, they may glorify God on the day that Christ visit us, visits us. Let's pray there. Our Father, you do know how hard this is. It's hard to obey every law of our land. It's hard to obey, to submit to unjust bosses. And we pray, Lord, that you'd be at work in us by our spirit, that we'd know the privilege of the path that we are on, that we would indeed follow the example of Jesus, who did not revile, who did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Father, would we do that? Would we be spurred on by your radical love to live radical lives for your praise and your glory? Amen.